Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like Jokic. Your sitter. Wow. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am your host, Zach Bikosh with DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to Nothing But Net Radio on the Dash Radio Network. It is 4 o'clock here in the Mile High City. And if you have not figured it out, the next hour is all about the Denver Nuggets here on Nothing But Net Radio. With me today... Two co-hosts, two different writers from DenverStiffs.com. First, down in Denver, it is Mr. Brendan Vote. Brendan, what's up? Glad to get back on the show. I know it's I'm a hard get these days between my <laughs> flourishing social life and my TV obligations, but you know it's good to be here. Exactly. Yeah, I mean we've been trying for for a month, but uh, I was wondering when you're going to be like, you know, man, just just like get in touch with my assistant. She'll go ahead and get this scheduled for you. <laughs> oh man! Always. No, it's good. We start be calling done. you, calling you Brendan, big time. <laughs> also, uh, also joining us, so another man on the move is uh, Daniel Lewis. Dan, who is out in Virginia these days, I believe. Correct. Correct. What has happened down in Virginia? We're up in Virginia. I don't know where we're really that direction. Out, out in Virginia. Out it's good. There you go. The safe play. I I uh, I live in the heart of NASCAR country, but uh, it's it's fine. It's a little humid, but it's it's fine. What is the uh, what is the buzz in NASCAR these days? I have no idea. I'm <laughs> I I, I keep my attention on actual sports. <laughs> Dan, you need to really you know get in touch with your culture. Right there, I think you have to. I expect next time you're on the Pick Exponent Show to have a. Full report on, on what is going on in NASCAR. The, the Spring Cup playoffs start in a couple weeks. I know that, but uh, other than that, I have no idea. All right, that was that's more than I know. So fair enough, and that is that is about all the time we have for NASCAR racing. Yeah. here on the Big X Bunny <laughs> Show, um, we will be spending the rest of the show talking about the Denver Nuggets, specifically going through our player preview series. We are on to players 10, and 11, and 12 now on the roster, which, uh, I mean, there's a debate about who these players could actually be, but for our purposes today, 
that will be Michael Porter Jr., Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Malik Beasley. I want to get into those three players, talk about kind of where they're at coming into this season, and then where they've got to move, uh, where they, basically what they've got to do to move forward uh, with the Denver Nuggets. So, without delay, let's get right into it. And let's start with, in my opinion, the most, the most interesting, possibly the most interesting Nugget on the entire team honestly. And that is Michael Porter Jr. And the reason, of course, he's so interesting is he's the huge enigma. Obviously has this um, amazing, amazing high school pedigree, but also a, a lost season in college. So nobody's really seen him play basketball since high school. And now he falls to the Denver Nuggets at the 14th overall pick. If healthy and up to leaving up to the hype, you know, he could be in a, an amazing pick. If not, and then he just ends up ends up basically being a bust. Um, let's start off with a simple question. Brendan, do you think he plays this season? You know, I'm not sure if that is a simple question, Zach. Um, <laughs> you know, between the, the double surgeries, the horror stories from uh, other teams' physicals, um, and, and sort of the disconnect between, like, messaging in terms of from his camp and the Nuggets themselves in terms of, you know, whether we should expect him to play or not, I, I really don't know. I'm leaning towards no. Uh, I would put the over-under at 10 games and take the under. So even if he does play, I don't think he's going to be a major presence on this team. But, you know, guys, one thing to remember about me is how often I'm wrong. And so that's <laughs> that should really be factored in here. Uh, that's always taken into consideration with anyone on the Pickaxe Pundit show. We are mm-hmm. probably – I won't even say we're 50-50 at best, but – you know, we try, we try. Dan, let me, I, I think Brendan kind of brought up a good, uh, a, a better way, I think, to even ask this question. If you're going to put an over/under on on games that Michael Porter Jr. will play this season, where would you put it at? Uh, I, well, I want to start off by saying I am right often. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I think that he's going to play. I put it at 55 games, and I would take over. I'm much more optimistic. Than, uh, it is. than my fellow co-host this uh, or my fellow guest this week. That's I, I, really optimistic. I, I just I I don't. I think that uh, if I think he's going to be healthy for training camp, um, I think he's going to have an opportunity to show the coaching staff that he can play, and I think that he's going to impress them to the point um, that he earns a rotation spot. Um, and as long as he's healthy, he should be playing. I, I don't think he's going to be starting. I don't think he's going to be playing 25 minutes a game. But I, I do see him getting a rotation spot and playing frequently. I, I think that they will try to rest him in some situations. And, you know, they may they may hold him out for, you know, like a, a long road trip or something. If Or if he gets dinged up, they may hold him out for an extra couple of games or or the more veteran player, they might bring him back a little bit faster. But I, I could, I think he's going to play like sixty-two games. Is my official prediction. Sixty-two games. That is, yeah. That is. I mean, that is definitely that. So that means he's basically uh, playing consistently by what I mean by November into November, which is yeah. That's. Oof. That I, I see. I'm I'm kind of with you, Dan. I think I'm more on your side. I, I would put if I were to put the over under, I'd put it right at 41. So right down the middle, 50 50, and I would probably take the over. 
because I think I, I think there's I don't know maybe I'm just just blind optimism but I, I just think that there's there's no reason to to hold him out if he if there's if you're not worried about him re-aggravating the back and and from everything that that we've read or that we've heard is that this is this has now been like you said Brendan he had to have the second surgery but that that you know this is now a thing that he's on to the path for recovery that it's no longer you know it's no longer something that's bothering him so if if he gets I, I think you probably see him play. They ease him back in maybe around like December. And then, and then by January, somewhere February, maybe right around the all-star break, that's when they get him playing uh, in that full part of rotation. Cause I do agree, Dan. I do think if he, if he's right, that he's probably going to have the talent uh, to justify him playing. Cause there's not a ton of, I mean, look, Torrey Craig is, is, is an all right player. And, and, um, I mean that's that's pretty much though it right now for where the, what they've got in terms of small forwards behind Will Barton. So it's not like there's a ton of challenge um, for for Michael Porter Jr. to find a role. It's just really a matter of his health. So I, I would tend to agree with you uh, there, Brendan. Let me so let, let me ask you this: if, if assuming he gets into the rotation, whether it's this year, next year, uh, two years down the road. You, he's obviously going to be a big, a big part of the offense. You would assume, but so is Nikola Jokic, obviously, because that's the way this team is. This team has been built for the past couple of seasons, and that's kind of that's basically what their identity is now. So, with both those guys kind of being best with the ball in their hands, do you worry about, you know, is there going to be a good meshing between the two, or is it going to be kind of an awkward, clumsy pairing like we've seen with some guys with Jokic in the past? That's a good question. It's one I've thought about often, um, mostly because of the point that you brought up in your introduction, Zach. How much basketball have we seen him play? You know, I don't really know, per se, what his style is, um, how much better he is with the ball in his hands versus not. He does seem to me to be the kind of guy that flourished young in AAU and in high school. So when he was at his best, he was probably a primary scorer. It was... I'm sure there was not a lot of, like, supplemental offense, you know, to his offensive game. So... Um, I don't know how he'll mesh with Jokic. So I worry at times that whenever he does play, that he might be a little too determined to, you know, show those other 13 teams what they were missing. And is that going to be compartmentalized from what Denver is trying to do within their offense? Um, That's an interesting question. I, I guess it's just I have to wait and see because I haven't seen him play a lot of basketball. Fair enough. Yeah, that is fair enough. I mean, when you think about it, they're, uh, there has not been like like we said. There's not been a ton of a uh, ton of film out there. I don't I don't know that any of us were out there watching high school games for Michael Porter Jr. I know I haven't. So, but but Dan, I mean, I guess you ask you the same question. Are you kind of the same way where it's a, it's a wait and see scenario when it comes to Porter Porter Jr. and Jokic playing together? Um, I mean, obviously, I don't have any evidence that they can play well together. But um, I do know that he has thrived in the past as, you know, when, when playing with other talented players on the court at the same time. Um, he won the MVP of the McDonald's All-American game. Uh, if, if you go back and watch that tape, uh, you, you could see him score 17 points in that game relatively easily. Um, but I, I think just off of... You know, it's hard to base anything off of his film at Missouri because he was injured. But if you saw him at the 
high school workouts and you know Nike Hoop Summit, McDonald's All American game. You saw a guy that can slash and score. He's he's a threat to pull up um, from anywhere on the floor, and he's got such a high release and s- smooth shot that he can he can score from all three levels. Um, he's a good. I think he's going to be a good rebounder. I think he's going to be able to pass well just playing with other really talented teammates. He seems like he's got a pretty good court awareness and knows how to play well. I, I think he's going to be a great fit. Um, Jokic likes to pass the ball to people and have them score. And Michael Porter Jr. is a really fluid athlete who has a nine-foot wingspan, you know, like a nine-foot reach, basically, and is 6'11", can run off screens and likes to shoot. Uh, that that seems like a really great pairing. It may not It may not take... May not be immediate, but like in three, right. four years, I think you could easily see Michael Porter Jr. averaging like twenty-five to thirty points a game, and Jokic averaging like twelve points a game. But like, you know, his assists are like nine assists. Yeah, he's averaging like eight or nine assists a game because he's, you know, I think part of the time we forget that like, in order to get an assist, your teammate actually has to score, like. Jokic can get the ball to Porter Jr. and he'll just be able to score as soon as he gets the ball. You know, just similar to how Gary Harris gets so many easy buckets because of Jokic just setting him up easily. I think with Porter Jr.'s ability to shoot off of screens and then catch, attack off the dribble, you know, because defenders are going to have to respect his jump shot. So they're going to have to close out harder. He can, you know, do, you know, go into a dribble into a pull-up and just drain jumpers all day. I think it's going to be great to watch. Right. You know, I I, I could definitely see uh, I could definitely see that side of it because I think I think what you hit on there that, that's key is that it might not happen right away, right? That there's going to be there's going to be an adaptation period because of the simple fact that I mean, Michael Porter Jr. has never played with a guy like Nicole Jokic and Nicole Jokic has probably never played with a guy quite like Michael Porter Jr. either, a guy that's, I mean, Gallo's kind of, would you would think is kind of similar, uh, similar style of guy, but definitely, definitely for Michael Porter Jr., he's never played with a guy like, like, quite like Nikola Jokic. I mean, Nikola Jokic is, is pretty one of a kind, and so it might take a little bit for him to understand, you know, that basically, yeah, if you just get Jokic the ball, uh, you're going to get it back, and, and you're going to get it in the best possible position to score. Um, and once they figure that out and, and figure out, you know, and Jokic knows when to defer to him and he knows when to defer back and they get that kind of rhythm going, then I think they could be a very a very potent uh, one-two punch. The, the, the question, of course, will be is, is do they actually ever find that rhythm um, and, or, or do they just end up being two guys who can't mesh on the court? That's what, well, like I think what Brendan, you kind of alluded to. We've really got to wait and see until um, they're actually out there doing it. Brendan, though, let me ask you this. So let's, say, let's say he lives up to the hype and Michael Porter Jr. is what we all hope he, he, he can become. How does, that, how does that change the outlook for the Nuggets in the future? Uh, big time. It, it means they have a chance. It means they have a chance at real title contention. And you look at this core and, and this team, you know, as is, and it's almost impossible to predict how this league will look, you know, just one year down the line, let alone two or three. But as far as looking for outfits that are well set up, well positioned to be past the torch in two to three years, 
you know, if assuming Golden State and Houston are in different places, Denver's already right there, right? With the young core they have locked in place. They're missing a true star, and they're missing an elite scorer on the wing. And let's be real, that's that's the best-case scenario for Michael Porter Jr. So if they hit, if he lives up to the hype, that means they really got the missing piece. You know, he's not a Paul George or Jimmy Butler. He's not going to transform the defense overnight or anything like that. But if he's a true superstar sliding into this unit at the three, then Denver, Denver's cooking. They're as good as anyone two, three years down the line. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Uh, if you if you get him to be that 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 elite scorer, he just it just changes the dynamic of the team entirely in terms of what they can do. Because the thing about it is he's still he's his size for his position is is so is such an overwhelming or can be such an overwhelming advantage. I mean, we see it. You know, you don't want to compare a guy to Kevin Durant just because Kevin Durant is the uh, is the elite example, but that's like what you think is of his, as his ceiling because of that. They've got that similar size advantage. They've got that similar. Uh, shooting stroke and just sort of ease with with how they 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 score the basketball. If you get a player of that caliber, you know I mean it instantly changes where this where this team goes because they've already got that the other piece, the other big piece in Jokic, who's you know the do it all star player who who makes everybody better. You put him with that elite scoring guy. You you add to that a, a players, you know, role elite role players basically in, in Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, uh, you know, maybe you see Paul Millsap obviously right now, but even later on you the Nuggets always have a, a ton of, of young power forwards that could potent, potentially step into that uh, into that role as well. Suddenly you're talking about a team that in, in a few years could be could be right there with with anybody in the NBA and certain teams. You know, teams you think about a team right now. Obviously, the Warriors are on top, but four or five years from now, that might not be the case. Dan, Dan, are you with me and me and Brendan that that if Michael Porter Jr. can live up to, to the expectations that he would be, uh, it would basically fundamentally change the outlook of this team. Definitely, um, I think. Just there's there's a lot of attention nowadays on because there's just so much information available to us on like points per possession and advanced statistics and on off stats but at the at the end of the day like you need to be able to score points and uh that's that's one of the things that michael Porter jr is very very good at and so i think that can only be beneficial to the to the nuggets he also i, I feel like he also has like the kind of personality where he he kind of wants to be like a more social star and I think that will probably right. help the Nuggets franchise whereas Jokic just wants to like wear sweatpants and hoop and then in the offseason <laughs> ride around on his horse so right. I think having, having more of the like social socially aware superstar I think can really help the Nuggets but um, I did want to mention too as well like one of the reasons I think that he'll end up playing a lot this season, especially if he's healthy, um, not so much looking at the future, but just that this season, is because the Nuggets bench after like I'm talking about like spots like seven, eight, nine in the rotation. There's not mm-hmm. really like a they're not the Nuggets are like seven deep, but they're not they need yeah. like an they need like an eighth guy, really. You know, someone that can be on the bench with Mason Plumley and Isaiah Thomas, 
And yep. the Nuggets have a lot of players that could get there, and two guys that we're going to be talking about later. But um, if if Michael Porter Jr. is going to be that third guy that they can rely off off the bench, that would be really huge for Denver, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, that that is almost like the perfect scenario. You would think is that he. Maybe it takes him a bit longer to get back, but then he finally really hits his stride going into the playoffs and is that that guy, another huge scoring threat off the bench. That would be, um, that would kind of be the ideal scenario. Let's, let's move in, though, to the next, uh, kind of one of the next guy who could challenge, I think, for that, uh, that eighth spot in the rotation. Because that's a, well, that, that's a great point. I mean, not, not to say the eighth, I mean, we've already talked about Trey Lyles and Torrey Craig on the show last week. Those two guys are in that. Uh, obviously in that hunt as well. But another guy, I mean, is Juancho Hernan Gomez, I think, who could be right there uh, in terms of getting a, a roster spot. He'll certainly, I, I think, have an opportunity to compete for the, that eighth or ninth spot in the rotation. The, and I think that maybe maybe is the main question when you, when it comes to Juancho Hernan Gomez. The first question that comes to Juancho Hernan Gomez when talking about rotation is, you know, does this guy fit in? as the backup power forward or does he fit in um as the backup small forward dan what do you think on that um i think he kind of just fits into a small forward role um i I think especially if he's gonna be playing with mason Plumley and trey lyles his role is going to be more just as a a floor spacer offensive rebounder um, and he's going to have to play a lot of defense, um, yep. especially on the perimeter. But yep. I, I don't see him having like a a ball handling role. He's more just like a spot up guy. Uh, I, I could see Isaiah Thomas's usage off the bench being really high with those second units. And even then, you know, they, the second option would probably be mason Plumley, to be honest you know trying to <laughs> give him the ball and like trying to set up players by cutting or just getting getting the ball moving around there but moving Plumley up to the elbow yeah that's a it's a scary thought when that when you the, the nuggets really don't have a ton of uh, a ton of depth in terms of playmaking on this team right now, which is, which is somewhat, which is like I like what we were talking about. Why big reason that Michael Porter Jr. has to um, has to step up on 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 Wancho though. I see. I don't know. I tend to think that maybe his best. He just might be a better version of Trey Lyles. Like that might be his best path to finding a spot in this rotation because I just. There's a, he's, like I said, he doesn't, he's not a great, he's not a great creator. And like, like you were pointing out as well, Dan, I mean, so it's, there's, there's not a ton for him to do from the, you know, from the small forward spot in terms of, I think, attacking on offense. He's just mainly, like you said, a a floor spacer, which works to a degree if you're going to rely entirely on Isaiah Thomas, but I... I kind of think if you can get again, if you could get a guy like Michael Porter Jr. and then then maybe Wancho slides into your four spot um, over Trey Lyles and can become more of more of just that stretch four kind of guy, which is you know which is a role that we saw him kind of fill his rookie season when he got minutes, but then again, but it, it wasn't really a big enough sample size to say yes or no. Brendan, what do you think, man? Do you think he's better off at small forward or at power forward? You know, I don't know if better is the operative word here. I sort of agree with Dan. I really think it's just going to come down to whatever 
whatever's left for him, however they can get him on the floor, you know, depending on Porter's health and all of that. Um, I say this because I agree with Dan. He's he's never going to be a, a top offensive option. He is a floor spacer. That can be done. That can be required at either the three or the four, depending on who else is out there. And the big thing is that, truthfully, he's not going to be able to defend either of those positions, at least in my opinion. He's not big enough to defend power forwards. And look, the NBA is full of elite wings, and I don't, you know, I wouldn't feel super comfortable with Wancho trying to stay in front of most of them. So ultimately, given the small role that he's trying to fill, I'm not really sure it matters where he is. I think he's sort of like one of the last, you know, pieces to fall into place based off health and who's playing in that in that second rotation and all that. Right. Yeah, it's you know that's that's an interesting point. He's he's definitely sort of that tweener on on defense where and, and it's not in a good way where there's because there's just no. I don't know. There's even some small forwards. You think about a guy like LeBron James or a guy like Paul George. <laughs> you know. I, I wouldn't really I don't I wouldn't even want Wancho against them even if he could stay in front of them uh, quickness wise I still think he's going to get overpowered by those guys so it, it but that's what they need out of him like Dan said that's I mean that's he needs to play a lot of defense they need because he's got the he's got the length at small forward uh, to be a bothersome guy you know that's that's what they need they need him to step up and be. Uh, and be a, a defensive player who also spaces the floor, like you guys. I think. Pointed out. I, th- I think uh, we may be focusing too much on as well on like him eliminating players from shooting the ball, and like he's not going to be out there defending LeBron James very often because he's coming off the bench. Like he he may do that five ten minutes a game, but he's not going to be defending LeBron James, Kevin Durant. Uh, Paul George. No, of course, you know, of like, course not. But 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 I, I still uh, don't... sorry. I was just, just to finish that. Uh, I think really one of the things that can make him really valuable on defense is just kind of being a speed bump. You know, using his length to just to have that player take an extra half second so the defense can rotate over. But and uh, also in terms of defensive rebounding, like. Wancho's a really good rebounder. He just has a knack to be in the right place. And if he can help end like end those possessions by securing the rebound, especially with the second unit, um, where your shooting efficiency probably is going down because you don't have as good of players on the floor, I think that'll also really help. Because then you have, you know, Mason Plumlee's a good rebounder. And if Wancho's able to rebound as well and just help get the ball to like a Monte Morris or Malik Beasley or Isaiah Thomas, I think that'll really help the Nuggets uh, get out into transition and keep the second unit running as well. I just don't think we're ever, you're never going to look at him as like a plus defender, even if it's against second unit guys. Like I, you know, I just think what it's going to take for him to make an impact and him to stay on the floor is just shooting the hell out of the ball. And like, I don't think we're ever, like in three months, I don't think we're going to be like, man, Wancho's defense looks better. I just just doesn't, you know, seem to me to be like, he just doesn't seem like a good defender, and that's okay. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't agree. really know if he's being asked to be so. So, so let me the, let me ask you this, Brendan. I mean, he obviously didn't get to play last season a lot, uh, and we know it was at the beginning of the year, it was health related. But even then, when he was supposed to be healthy, uh, he didn't find him, his way onto the court. 
if if all he is is just going to be that floor spacing guy, I mean, does he ever is he going to be able to find his way onto the court, or is he just going to end up getting buried behind guys like Trey Lyles? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's going to depend on how Trey plays, right? On how healthy Porter Jr. is, but. I think, you know, there's a reason that Wancho didn't play a ton last year and it goes beyond the medical stuff. That was really, really poor timing, right? Um, but I, I think it's simply that there are guys ahead of him and it's going to take a lot of consistency for him to really crack the rotation, I think. Um, you know, it's really hard to come back from an injury. Like, like he didn't get to do camp with the team because he was doing international stuff and then he's, then he's sick and he's trying to get his strength back. So, I mean, he... He never really like he had to play a really hard game of catch up just to sniff the floor in the second half last year. But yeah, I don't know if there's much he can do in the event that Trey Lyles is playing really well. Um, you know, down the line, sure. Right? Look, if you Wancho can shoot, if you can space the floor, at, especially at the four, um, even for just small chunks of time, like you have a future in this league. I just don't think I would be very surprised if he ever becomes a major part of this rotation. Right. Right. All right, tell you what, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to stick with Wancho for a little bit longer, but we need to hit a break. So we are going to go ahead, uh, let's do that, and then when we come back, I'm going to, I want to finish up the, the, the discussion on Wancho, and then we'll, we'll move on to Malik Beasley uh, to close out the show. So we will be right back. At Encore Electric, we've built and maintained some of the region's most notable power, technology, and energy projects. Our teams are at the forefront of electrical, design, construction, and service. Encore's use of technology is well in front of our vertical. Encore also offers us opportunities to expand our knowledge. Career opportunities are available. Hard work pays off. And since day one, I've been growing within the company. I like it here a lot. Grow, thrive, be who you are. Join our team today. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. All 
everybody. Welcome back into the Pickaxe Pundit Show. Zach Bikosh, Brendan Vogt, Dan Lewis. We're all from DenverStiffs.com. We spent the first half of the show talking about Michael Porter Jr. And then we got into the discussion about Juancho Hernan Gomez and where he fits uh, in terms of this team and, and the rotation. And so, Dan, I want to throw it over to you. Um, seeing kind of bouncing off of what, what Brendan was talking about, about how he... he it, Basically, he couldn't get into the rotation last year, not only just because of the health, but just because of the fact that there was a logjam in front of him. Uh, what do you, I mean, is it just a matter of, of somebody's got to be, there's maybe an injury and he steps up then, or is there something else that he can do to find his way into, into coach's rotation? Uh, I think he would just have to prove to the coaching staff that he can defend um, at the, at the three because Trey Lyles played so well last season um, that I don't think that he should be losing minutes. Um, and I, you know, honestly, I feel like Tory Craig is probably a better defender than Wancho is. So I, I, I don't think it was just health related last season for why Wancho wasn't playing. It just, it's unfortunate for him that, uh, you know, a- after, a promising rookie season. The right. Nuggets signed Paul Millsap, traded for Trey Lyles, and drafted Tyler Lydon. Like they, <laughs> you know, they they had what I thought was going to be a a player that could project to be, you know, obviously Paul Millsap is a, a much better player than Wancho Hernan Gomez, but I thought that Wancho definitely provided some. Uh, potential as a floor spacing power forward or, uh, you know, just a, a big small forward, a lot like Wilson Chandler, um, at the, at small forward for the nuggets. And then they buried him on the depth chart because they added other players that play a similar kind of position. So unfortunately he, I, I think Wancho is a good player, but, uh, you know, the, the front office kind of shot themselves in the foot by, I mean, well, I I shouldn't say that because they they added players that I think that are are better in their roles than Wancho is. So, unfortunately, Wancho just didn't hasn't really gotten that opportunity. He probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he yeah. finds success somewhere else, but he might just need a change of location to really reach his potential as a player in the NBA. Right. Yeah. No. I I, I definitely agree. It was he. It was like you guys have kind of said. It's that that combination of the health. And then, and then getting the buried kind of in the death chart because before in that that's the summer league um, before last season, the Nuggets kind of used Wancho quite a bit as that small forward uh, in that small forward role to kind of see if he could do it. That was where they were going to basically slot him in. It looked like in, in into the rotation. Then he gets sick. I mean, he was going to basically have that chance, but then he gets sick and he has to sit out. Tory Craig kind of steps into that as this unknown, you know, unknown two-way guy, training camp darling, steps steps in and takes that role. And then by the time Wancho gets back, you know, he Tory Craig had cemented himself. He had earned the trust of Coach Malone, and there was there was no going back at that point. Now, now if Wancho, if he wants to get into the rotation, in my eyes, that he's got to win back that spot. I'd say out of all of all of the guys who you would currently think are in the rotation. Uh, Tory Craig's probably the last guy in the rotation, right? So that would be the first guy you would think uh, could challenge 
the for for you could challenge for a spot and Wancho that's the guy he's gonna have to beat, but they don't it's hard to see him overcome Trey Lyles so long as Trey Lyles continues to play the way he did last season, because you're right, he really played well, uh, especially towards the end, or, or not towards the end, I guess the, the middle-ish end there. That's really where he came on, kind of carried the Nuggets through that last stretch before Paul Millsap was ready to go. Uh, and, and for that for that that part alone, you got to think he's got the upper hand, at least coming into training camp. Uh, I mean, Brendan, what do you think? What, what does Wancho got to do to earn that rotation spot with the Nuggets? Shoot really, really well and get lucky. <laughs> Uh, I don't mean to sound like to reduce it all to that, but I really do think it's that simple. Um, I think there are just guys ahead of him uh, with with more skills. But, you know, like like I said before, I stand by the fact that, like, if you can shoot really, really well at that height, there's always a place for you on the team. Um, a major rotation spot, no, but but consistent minutes, it's, it's possible. Um, he's got to hold his own defensively. And he's got to shoot really well. I have not given up on Wancho. I'm really excited to see him get a, another chance this year if we do really get to see that. But, yeah, I I, um, I, I wouldn't hold my breath for him cracking this rotation I at think this point. Brandon brings up a good point, too. Like, if if he's shooting 40% from three-point, uh, he's going to play. He's going to be the bench small forward, at least. Right. Right. You know, if... Right. If, defense be damned. Yeah, it, it's the second unit. I think defense is nice, but like, I think sometimes we worry too much about that. Like, the whole point is just to score more points than the opponent. And uh, right, if you watched Nuggets games last season, you know they struggled to score at times with the second unit. And if you if you can put, you know, maybe Trey Lyles isn't feeling it that night. You know, he's he misses a couple shots, whatever. Who knows? Or maybe they just have smaller smaller backup forwards, you know, so they can play Michael Porter Jr. and Wancho. But like, you know, or maybe they put Trey Lyles as the backup five and they don't play Mason Plumley. I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, <laughs> then you have three guys that are able to shoot like 35 to 40% from three. Uh, that that's That's really, that's really good on offense and their second unit should be able to score a lot of points. Right, right. Yeah, that that that's a good point too. I mean, maybe you just maybe just scrap it and you just go with you just try and outscore them all the way. I I definitely I see Michael don't... Malone being the coach to be like, you know what, f defense, I just score <laughs> that's points. What, <laughs> that's what I was just gonna say. I was like, I don't know if the coach is gonna go for it. But... Maybe Mike D'Antoni, but I don't think, go, right. I don't think Mike Malone is gonna do that. Right, he's probably not quite there uh, in terms of his his coaching style. All right, let's let's move on to the the last guy that we want to cover here in today's show, and that is is the the other you know first round pick of of what was it? It's, it's two years ago. There was 2016? the two thousand yeah twenty sixteen uh, draft. The the uh, the obviously they, they took Wacho and, and Jamal Murray. The other guy there in that group was was uh, Malik Beasley out of Florida State. He he also uh, kind of in a very similar spot as Wancho in terms of the rotation and was thinking that you know maybe he was going to step up last year and and find a way into uh into everyday minutes that did not happen. He continues to sort of be on the fringes. He ends up playing in summer league again this year. It's, it's kind of it's not as often you see a third year guy, especially a third year guy who's been healthy all three years, 
um, play in a summer league again, but they, they had Malik do it, and you kind of figured, okay, here's a guy who's been playing in the NBA for two seasons. He's going into his third year. He should probably dominate this summer league, right? He was a guy you would think would have a chance at summer league MVP. Uh, that's not the case at all. He, he kind of had, I mean, he had some good moments. Don't, don't get me wrong. He wasn't terrible by any means, but but he also had some some moments where you're still like, man, I don't know if, if, if Malik is, you know, that, that probably wasn't the right play to make there. Uh, Brendan, I mean, how much does that concern you that he's still even here now going into year three? We've yet to kind of see him take that that leap towards being an everyday guy. Yeah, you know, it's it's somewhat concerning because, you know, I think with Malik, it's about making sure he's taking the right approach to each possession, to each game. This dude absolutely has the physical tools to play in the NBA um, right. on both sides of the ball. I think he has the tools to be a phenomenal defender, um, though we don't always get to see that. And I just think there's a certain lack of, of consistency in the mental game. And I, to me, there were there were games, um, entire games, and certainly certain plays where he seemed far more interested in, in making like a really big highlight play than maybe just making the smart one. Um, and that's all right. I mean, he was... You know, relative to summer league competition, he was one of the more talented guys out there. But, you know, this is a guy who whom I'm rooting for to make the rotation. And I think that's going to be that's going to require like a laser focus on approaching the game the right way. And so, you know, I, I use this word lightly, like I'm not too concerned. But, yeah, I, I'm 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 not convinced that Malik is necessarily um, going to get it done long term. But, you know, I, I'd love to be proven wrong. Right. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think I. He's an easy guy to root for. There's no doubt about it. He's, uh, by all accounts, a great guy. Uh, very, uh, very active in the community. Just a very nice guy in general. Whenever I've uh, had the chance to talk to him, you know, in the locker rooms. Um, but, uh, but for whatever reason, just has you know, he, on the court though, he hasn't been able to, hasn't been able to find that spot. Dan, what about you? How concerned are you about that? That here in year th- going into year three, Malik has kind of yet to, to take hold um, of a rotation spot. Um, I, I think it's a little concerning, but this is definitely the year, you know, year three breakouts is a very common trend for a lot of players. I think if he can really settle into that role as a, a playmaking guard, um, someone that can create off the dribble alongside the lead ball handler, um, space the floor and, you know, get out into transition after creating steals or forcing turnovers on defense. Um, or just rebounding and taking off down the court. He's Maliki is a very uh, he is a very skilled athlete. He's, he's he can jump very high and run very fast, <laughs> right. Um, right. which is evident if you watch him in summer league. But I think part of the problem is that in summer league they basically are asking him to be like Milwaukee Ray Allen. Like there's like you do everything. <laughs> you shoot. You dribble. You pass. And like. And then when he gets into, you know, the NBA in his rotation, it's like, we want you to be Tony Allen. And it's like, those are very, very different roles to fill. Right, right. Like, you can't have him be like, okay, you need you to work on all these things for Summer League where the games don't matter, but we're going to use this as evidence for why you should be playing in the season. But in the season, we want you to do something totally different. Like, that's just poor right. coaching. You know, you're, you're not... You're not putting him in a position to succeed. And so I think this year, you know, if if he wins that backup two-guard role, 
and shows like, hey, look, guys, I can play, you know, play some off ball, but I can also run some plays and really just get to the free throw line and attack the rim. And then when I'm open, I can shoot off the dribble. Um, I think if he's able to do that, I think he's going to be able to earn a rotation spot. If not, um, I could see them giving a lot of his minutes to Monte Morris, um, even though that makes the Nuggets back up backcourt really small with him and Isaiah Thomas. At least we know that Monte <laughs> Morris can like set up offense and run right, plays. Right. Right, and make good decisions with the basketball. Right, um, which is which ultimately is what earns you the trust of the coaching staff, and and maybe is one of the reasons that Malik hasn't had to be able to have a uh, a spot yet. I mean, I, I'm, I'm I don't know. I you bring up a really good point, Dan, that I hadn't thought about, but about the different the different roles they ask him to do in summer league versus versus when he would be on the NBA team versus also when he's in the G League because in the G League it's kind of a similar scenario uh, where he's you know, he's just basically out there being being a scorer who's who's relied on uh, to to just basically get buckets. That's not, I in my opinion, at least that's not what the Nuggets need from him. Uh, they need him to be kind of more of a a, a defensive guy who brings uh, who brings that effort to where they on on that side of the court to where that they can they can basically match him up against against opposing defenses. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say they're best players because he's gonna he's still gonna be a bench guy, but but they could he could match up against opposing defenses six men, you know, and, and be or opposing offenses six men and, and and be that kind of shutdown guy for that. I think that's where they they'd find the most uh, the most value in him. And if you think about it, again, the guy that he's got to beat out in the rotation is gonna be Tory Craig, who who is playing for his defense. So that's that's kind of where he's got to take his role and. They don't ask him to do that uh, in in summer league. And, well, and so like he had a G League game where he had thirty two points and nineteen rebounds. Like, when is he ever going to get that opportunity with the Nuggets <laughs> to take that many shots and to grab that like thirty two points and nineteen rebounds? That's that's an amazing game. But like, he's not in that response. You know, he doesn't have that role with the Nuggets. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Um. Brendan, what do you think, man? What I mean, what role will should he have with the Nuggets? Should he be more of like a sixth man kind of guy, scoring off the bench, or or do, should he be more of a, a defensive wing? You know, I I think of him as a defender first, to be honest, um, and that has more to do with flashes, right? Of what we've seen, like there are certain possessions where you know he'll fight through a screen and he'll shuffle his feet. And, and follow the guard on the drive all the way to the rim. And he'll, he keeps his hands totally vertical and he doesn't foul. And like he does like that's really, really hard to do, especially in today's league. And you'll see those like glimpses of truly tremendous defense. But then other times like off ball, he's just like he's ball watching or sometimes he goes under or, or over screens where he should be doing the opposite. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, again, it, it comes down to consistency. But, you know, I think his future in this league the brightest version of his future is sort of as like as a as a defensive defensive guy, a guy who can switch two through three and and really really help you out in either position defensively. Yeah, that yeah, that that that's a good point. You kind of like that that three three and D kind of guy is what they they could you could really see him finding a 
a role with the Nuggets there where, where they're not asking him because it, especially now that they have Isaiah Thomas, I mean, he's, he's not a guy who's going to, they're going to look to for a lot of creation. Uh, even when, uh, even off the bench in terms of offense, I mean, he's going to play, that guy still is going to play with Nikola Jokic um, yeah. at times. And, and there, there's not going to be looking for play creation there. He's going to play at times with Jamal Murray or Gary Harris, uh, and obviously going to play with Isaiah Thomas. So that, that guy they need to have uh, in that backup 2-3 spot be more of a, you know, be more of a guy who plays off ball and provides that defense. I think that's, like I said, I think that's where they... I mean, I this is going to be like a... Congratulations if you recognize this, but like I think a great comp for him is Gary Neal, uh, if you remember Gary him. Gary Neal. <laughs> yeah. Antonio Spurs. But like, hmm. we just need you to come in Run a couple plays. Be like, here Here are the five plays you need to learn. Run these plays very well. Knock down shots and then just be like psycho on defense, you know? Yep. Like, that's that's kind of what Gary Neal did for the Spurs. Right. Had a great career. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes Malik is like, no, I got to get out there and I have to, you know, jump and dunk and hit like th- – have my elbow above the rim or I got to, you know, shoot all these like step back 25 footers and like, I got to get buckets. That's how I'm going to make it in the game. Be like, no, you just need to like get to the free throw line uh, and play defense and shoot when you're open. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was just, I was looking up some Gary Neal stats now. I wanted to, I wanted to find out what it's all about. Pretty good, you know, 40% three-point shooter. Um, not the greatest defender, though, uh, as far at least as far as the stats say. But what do they know? Gary Neal. No, you just have to be, easily. you know, you just got to be active. <laughs> right, active. right, yeah, exactly. Show me them jazz exactly. hands. <laughs> got to bring that energy, you know, that hustle, that grit, that grind. Get the people That's going. <laughs> play a little jock jams you'd be set um all right i gotta get back on track here with this um all right so i mean uh, brendan is that kind of like same same question with with wancho is that what it takes for for malik basically if you're if he can play defense if he can prove to be uh, a reliable wing defender does that earn him a rotation spot uh, yeah, sure. Because I mean, I don't know if there's necessarily a ton of options, right? I mean, would you guys be playing like Monte and Isaiah at the same time? Um, probably not. Right. That would be my guess. Um, I don't, I would, I would imagine Craig will be playing more of like a forward type of position. So like, I, I think in, in terms of this upcoming year, Denver needs Malik to be that guy because, um, someone's got to do it on that second unit. And so, yeah, I mean, like if he's, if he's focused and he's approaching this thing the right way, I think he's a consistent part of this rotation. Um, but you know, that's, that's a bigger if than I'd like it to be. I, I right. think, I think if, if Beasley isn't going to earn his rotation spot, I think that opens up more minutes for Wancho, uh, because they'll have to play Tory Craig at shooting guard, um, right. alongside right. Isaiah Thomas. I don't think it's something where they bring in Monte, um, because I, no, I agree, I don't think they can just go with three guards and then substitute Barton and Craig. No, you. I mean, so, there's defense be damned, and then there's Monte and It next to each other, right? Like <laughs> with Gilkish playing center, you can either use 
Tory Craig is the backup for Will Barton or the backup for Gary Harris. But, you know, he can't do both. And you can't right. play Will Barton 40 minutes a game. You can't play Gary Harris 38 minutes a game. You probably shouldn't play Jamal Murray 38 minutes a game. Like, you're going to need to spell those guys for 12 to 15 to 20 minutes a game. And, uh, that means that Malik Beasley is going to be needing to play like 15 to 20 minutes a night. I, so, so Dan, you would say that Malik Beasley is, is in the rotation as of right now. Uh, I would above one show, but again, this is, this is all just, you know, pre preseason analysis. Like we need to see <laughs> how he does in training camp and preseason, you know, cause again, that's, that's really where his role is defined. I can't, judge him off of how he did in summer league because his role in summer league is so much different than what it will be in the training camp and in preseason right so that's interesting though because i actually i I don't think he's in the rotation as of right now because i only think they're going to go with a nine man um and i think those four bench guys are isaiah thomas story craig trey lyles and uh mason plumley so i think i but you bring up a good point it's gonna be tough but yeah i i that's it's a Asking Tory Craig and Will Barton to fill all the minutes at small forward, and then you know, I, the thing is, you, you can play Isaiah Thomas like 30, 30 to thirty-four minutes a game as well, and just just be play really small all the time. That's Jeez. that's kind of the way they got to go. <laughs> yeah, if you want to <laughs> season do it. to end in, like after game eighty-two, yeah, go ahead and do that. But we'll see what how that. We, what out. if they played like? What if they played? Can we get a lineup with Isaiah Thomas? Uh, Monty Morris, Jamal Murray, and Gary Harris, um, and Mason Plumley, and we can just call it Mason and the Munchkins. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, the Nuggets do have a cool opportunity to, you know, as as people go to small ball and put smaller players across the court, the Nuggets can roll out with their bench unit of Michael Porter Jr., Trey Lyles, and Mason Plumley, who are all like six ten, six eleven. So and then in the backcourt they could have Monte Morris and Isaiah Thomas. So they like lead the league in like difference in height between their front court and backcourt players. <laughs> you know, de- would... defenders beat Monte Morris and Isaiah Thomas off the dribble, and there's three six eleven guys standing by the rim. <laughs> that would be uh, don't, let's let's not give anybody any ideas. Crazy <laughs> um, <laughs> rotations. Um... <coughs> Sorry, um, <coughs> Brandon. Let me ask you this real quick. Uh, just, just a toss-up question. If you had to pick one guy who you thought is going to get a second contract with the Nuggets, would it be Malik Beasley or Juancho Hernan Gomez? Oh wow, that's a really good question. I am. Uh, I'm leaning towards Malik in terms of who will, not like who should or idealistically or whatever. But I think it. I'm leaning towards Malik. Really, I would. Uh, here's the interesting thing: is is there's because the the Nuggets are are quite deep now in, in, in terms of two guard uh, guys who can play the two guard and and are they their, their long term future. We just talked about a three man guard rotation. Like... <laughs> Well, but yeah, but they what they need what they need to fill out in their long term core is is the backup point guard. They've got, I mean, when you think about it, they need a backup point guard and they need a starting small forward. And then you've got Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Will Barton who all fill that 
who fill that role at the the, the two guard spot, which is why. I, but it's hard to say Wancho as well because you've got well, you got Trey Lyles and you got Tyler Lydon and you got uh, you still got Paul Millsap and you got. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody who else. Plays Jared Vanderbilt, Michael Porter Jr., Tori. Tyler Lydon. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> Vlaco Chanchar. <laughs> well, we know we all know Vlaco's just taking over. So, um, Dan, what about you, man? I'll, I'll let you close it out for us. If you had to pick Wancho or, or Malik, who would you say is going to get a second contract with the Nuggets? Uh, I'm actually going to go with Wancho, um, and the reason why is because I think that um, I think that Will Barton, I, as much as they want him in the starting lineup, uh, I feel like. This is just kind of like a two-year experiment, and right. um, that's how much time I think they're planning right now until Michael Porter Jr. can take over as the starter at small forward, um, or they find someone else to be the starter there, and then they go with a, you know, Will Barton as that like super sub um, sixth starter, um, where he's he doesn't start the games but he's playing. 28 to 32 minutes and he's closing um right so i think will barton's future is moving to be the backup shooting guard again and that kind of eliminates malik beasley's spot um and that would mean that the nuggets would need a backup small forward power forward combo and i think that's where wancho goes in i think wancho is much better than tyler Lydon. um <laughs> so if, if you're going to bring him back you might as well like Brandon said, you know, if you can shoot, you're going to stick around. And Wancho can shoot. I think they're going to try to keep him around as that backup uh, small forward, power forward, tweener um, for a while. Fair enough. Uh, I'll say this. I mean, we know Vlatko Chanchar is going to be uh, going to take his spot anyways, right? I mean, because <laughs> Vlatko is the next superstar in the NBA. Um, maybe, we, you know, I've been calling him the Slovenian cyborg. Maybe we should start calling him the Slovenian LeBron James. I don't know. <laughs> or we should start calling LeBron James the American Vlaco Chanchar. <laughs> yes, yes, that is it. That is perfect. Uh, you heard it here first on the Pickaxe Funded Show. All right, we are out of time. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter. I'm at Zach Nikosh. Dan is at Minuteman Dan. Brendan is at BVOGT422. That's right, right? I got that right. That's right. You All got right. That cadence down and everything. All right. <laughs> I, mean, I don't do it quite as well as you, but uh, you know, I'll work on it. I'll practice it next time. Um, make sure you're following Denver Stiffs at Denver Stiffs. That's easy enough. Nothing but net radio is at NBN radio. Uh, we're on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs. We're also all over on Facebook. Make sure you're giving us a follow and a like over there. I know you're going to be seeing lots of Brandon this season on the Facebook. Uh, so you'll make sure want to make sure you're checking him out because uh, I don't think you'll be able to find a lot of that stuff anywhere else. So all this cool stuff over there. And then finally, if you guys are listening to the podcast version, I say this every week, but why are you not listening to Nothing But Net Radio on the Dash Radio app? You can download it in your onto your phone, listen to it in your car, at work, or anywhere on the go. You'll find team-specific shows just like this one all throughout the week, as well as general NBA shows and some pretty cool music in between. So make sure you're checking it out. But if you are listening to the podcast version, if you could subscribe and leave a rating, we would appreciate it. All right, Brendan, Dan, appreciate you guys being on. Thanks, brother. See you later. 
All right, everybody, we will talk to you next week. Listen, oh.